Welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church Podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship at 9.30 a.m. Or visit us online at upcconline.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy our teaching time with our special guest speaker. Let the church say amen. amen. Can y'all hear me? Am I on? Yes? All right. You know that's a gospel song, right? Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. God is... Okay, I'm sorry. I thought it was the Allentown Fellowship for a minute. I had a flashback. Um... I love that song that we sang uh, in the last set there, Waymaker. That was a song that uh, Faith did at our last service. And it was real, uh, it, it was real emotional. Our last service at Faith was emotional. But they sang that song. And um, that captures the heartbeat of what we believe as believers. Right? That Jesus is a waymaker. I don't care what your life looks like. I don't care what destruction you've bought into your own life or brought into your own life. I don't care what decisions you've made that have made a wreck of your life. Jesus is a way maker. That's the hope of the gospel. No matter how far gone you are, Jesus is a way maker. And so that, that song will always have a special place in my heart. Now, I didn't know, I did not know it was written by an African. So it really has a special place in my heart now. I kind of thought so, because I'm like, that little bum, 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 bum. I could just hear the, oh, wah, 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 mm, bah, bah. I was like, yeah, that don't sound like Hillsong at all. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not messing with your music. Just... So it really has a special place in my heart. Jesus is a way maker. Matthew 4, 4, and we're going to look at the verses that Pastor John already read, but I just want to jump up to verse 16 and 17 and just read those because the verses that we're going to really camp out on really show Jesus Christ beginning to do the purpose for which he was sent. And 16 and 17, after he was tempted, and he comes down to verse 16, Matthew 4, 16, And he says, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And then 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the mission of the church. This is the message that we ought to be about. And now as we move into our verses, starting at 18, we're going to see Jesus Christ now commissioning the disciples, come follow me, watch how I do what I was sent to do, and then you do the same. Father, I pray as we look at your word that your Holy Spirit would work on our hearts. God, we want to truly follow Christ in all that we do. We want to live our lives 
as true disciples of Jesus Christ. So I pray that you would use your word to realign our thinking with yours and then give us the wisdom we need, the grace that we need to have our lives reflect what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. God, this is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. We come to verse 18, and we see Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee. He sees the two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, and they're casting their net. They're doing work. They're doing their job. Now, I remember years ago when I would read this account, it always amazed me. Like, how is it that you're working? Picture you're working. You're at your job doing your computer thing or whatever you do. Jesus, excuse me, uh, come follow me. You just, I like, these people just left their job, and I would hear pastors preach this passage and say, they just left all for Jesus. Didn't even know who he was, but they knew he was a man of God, so they left all. Well, I preached, and I sat under that preaching for a long time, back when I was in high school. I began to realize, no, they knew exactly who Jesus was. If, if, if you go back to the, the account in John, Andrew, Andrew knew. He ran and got his brother and said, come, we found the Messiah. So this is not uh, just this all out, we have no idea who you are, but we're going to drop everything and follow you. That's, that's not what's going on here. They know who Jesus Christ is. They already knew him. But now, don't miss this point. Jesus is saying, you know who I am. That's not enough. It can't stop at knowledge of me. Oh, I know Jesus. Okay, that's the start of it. Now come follow me. Amen? I do a lot of counseling, and I'll, I'll ask people this question. Are you a believer? They'll say, yes, I know Jesus. And then I follow up with, are you following him? There's a difference. So now Jesus comes as he begins to carry out the mission that was prophesied way back in the Old Testament. He begins to gather his first leaders to propel the gospel. Immediately, notice they left their nets and they followed him. Now, this would not have been something that was unusual for this day. Rabbis had a following. I mean, literally, they would follow the rabbi around. You would see, if you were over in this region, over 2,000 years ago, rabbis walking, literally with disciples following them. <laughs> and they would stop, maybe sit on a rock or sit on a hill, and the disciples would all gather around like little chicks, and they would expound. So this, this was not unusual. It's interesting, notice where Jesus is when he does this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, why is he there? Why is he looking for fishermen? That's not typically where you would go to get disciples. No, no, you should be walking over there by the synagogues. You should be walking past the seminaries. You should be going to where the Bible colleges are. All those students out on the lawn and saying, come, follow me, follow me, not Jesus. He goes to one of the menial jobs of the day, the fisherman, and calls people out. 
Wow. He didn't go to the Pharisees. He didn't go to the religious establishment. He went to the fishermen. There's some truth in that, don't you think? <laughs> you know, Jesus is not looking for people who got it all together. As a matter of fact, he said even in his mission, I've come to save who? The lost. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world might be what? Saved. He's not looking for people who are all cleaned up to follow him, but people who realize that they are broken, they need a savior. Man, this is something that the church could learn. Evangelicalism should learn that it's not about walking past the broken, but stopping and speaking with them. Amen? Amen? It's not about just trying to find people that look the part. They're all cleaned up. Jesus said, I didn't come for you. Look, look, if you don't need a physician, you don't even know you're sick. I came for those that realize they need a Savior. I don't have to tell you, you can read the Gospels and, and see the encounters that Jesus often had with the Pharisees who thought they had it all together. Jesus is walking by the sea. He begins to go to these disciples who already knew him. They knew him. They sat under his teaching already. But now, if you're going to be my disciple... It's time to get busy. It's time to get busy. Because I came with a mission. Listen, Jesus is not interested in disciples who just know him. I think we would turn the Allentowns and the Philadelphias and the Chicagos and Philadelphia, uh, Los Angeles, urban, we would change those neighborhoods if those who claim to know Christ would actually follow him. I'm convinced of that. As I drove through Philly yesterday, we were coming from a funeral with my brother, and I'm, I'm like, man, bro, look at this. We were in our old neighborhood, North Philadelphia. Like, wow, look at all these churches. I forgot about how many churches are on every corner in Philadelphia. All these churches, all these people claiming to know Christ. There seems to be something wrong. It's kind of like this. How is it we can have a hospital, this is an analogy, a hospital on every single corner offering free health care, and we got people in the neighborhood that are deathly ill? Something's wrong with that. How is it that we got a gym on every corner and a nutritionist on every corner, every, literally every corner, and you got people that are out of shape and people, like, something's wrong. Something's wrong, guys. I'm convinced that part of it is there are many people who know Jesus, but we're not following them. We're not following them. We know Jesus in here. We put our hands up in here, but we don't put our hands out to work out there like nobody knows. Listen, if you have a co-worker and one day like around Christmas you're feeling a little spiritual and so you say something like this, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to... Um, Christmas Eve service, we'd love for you to come. And they look at you and say, well, you a Christian? <laughs> Something wrong. I'm just, I'm just saying. Jesus is looking 
for these men who already knew him to now follow. So 19, notice he says, and he said to them, follow me. He didn't say, will you? Do you want to? That's a command. Guys, please don't miss this. A true disciple of Jesus Christ is one that is following him. Let that resonate for a minute. A true disciple, a true believer, is one that's following him. Jesus said there will be many that will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, haven't I, haven't I, right? All these wonderful things. And he says, I never knew you. Wow, that's so, man, if that doesn't get you to think and reevaluate and examine whether you are really in the faith, we've cast out demons in your name. We've done all manners of wonders in your name. And yet Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. What is that all about? Because you can have knowledge of God and not know God. You can have knowledge of Christ, even of salvation, but yet you really don't follow him. James says what? Even the demons have faith and they tremble. So you got faith, they got faith. What's the difference? A demon can't live out that faith. You can by the grace of God. Are you following him? So he doesn't make a suggestion to these men who know who he is. He says, follow me. In other words, Jesus demands that if you're really going to be his disciple, he doesn't ask you, hey, if you want to. No, he demands, follow me. So he tells one group in his ministry, as you're like, Rabbi, Rabbi, Lord, he says, stop calling me Lord. Stop calling me master. Stop calling me rabbi. Can you imagine if, if you were in that crowd? You'd be like, oh, oh. <laughs> why? Because you're calling me Lord and you don't do a thing that I say. What's inferred there? You're not my disciple. Now listen, I know many of you know the Lord Jesus Christ. But what are you doing with that knowledge? Are you really following him? Are you following Christ? Are you about what his mission is? It's not an option to follow him. So he says to them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. You know what I love about that? Who's going to do the work? Who's going to make me qualify? Who's going to give me the grace and the wisdom to carry out the mission of the gospel? Seminary? Well, they can help equip. Bible college? Well, that can help too. Bible.net? That can help. But you can have all of that, but if you don't have Christ, he says, I will make you fishers of men. Guys, don't miss this. What is he saying? The power to do the work that I've called you to do, I am going to do that in you, through you. That ought to make you excited. Because you know what Satan will do? Who are you? Satan will walk around and, well, I can't believe you're trying to talk to your, you're, you're trying to talk to your co-worker about Christ? Dude, you just left the house arguing with your wife this morning doing your couple devotion. Shut your mouth. That's what Satan will do. 
Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. I'm giving you the authority. Watch this. I'm giving you the authority to speak on my behalf because I know you and you know me. Don't you ever relinquish that authority that Jesus has given you. You are his disciple. You don't understand what I did. I know. John knew that. Christ knew it. So he said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now get it right, get up, and go follow him. One of the biggest things that Satan uses is condemnation. Don't let Satan cause you to forget what happened on the cross. He loves to take the believer's life and rub your nose in your failures. He loves to do it. Let me tell you what you should pray in those moments. When you've miserably failed, and yet you're trying to follow him, and now you feel your testimony does not count, (laughs) your witness does not count, here's what you need to pray in that moment when you're feeling that condemnation. Here's what you need to pray. You know what, Satan? You're right. I did miserably fail. You know what, Satan? You're right. I was a hypocrite right now to my wife, to my kids. You're right, Satan. You're absolutely right. But for this, even Christ died. Get there behind me. I'm going to keep following Jesus. That's what you need. Look, this is spiritual battles, guys, that we're involved in. And I think when you feel that oppression at times, we don't like to talk about that a lot. The spiritual warfare is real. And where does it take place in the mind? That's why God said what? Take every thought captive that raises itself against the knowledge of Christ and who he is. And by inference, who you are in Christ. Amen? So he says, come, I'm going to do this. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Why? Again, this wasn't, they had no idea who he was. But now they're starting to realize their knowledge of who Christ is must result in action. So they're like, what? Whoa, he just tell us to like drop these? Now they're beginning to understand what being a disciple really means. It's more than head knowledge. It's more than amening the teachings of this rabbi. Jesus is like, come, we're not over. We're not finished. You know, it's like a marriage relationship. So you walk down the aisle, and you're all googly-eyed. Rachel will be there soon. (laughs) And you just hold each other's hands, and And then he says that pronouncement, I now pronounce you husband and wife. You kiss your beautiful bride, and then you leave in the flowers and the petals, and then the party afterwards, and everything's nice. And like, if you could put a period right there, and then just keep replaying that, that'd be awesome. (laughs) Just loop it. Like, like Spotify, anybody got Spotify? Anybody got Spotify? And you loop that song, Jesus is a way maker. I just loop that song. I loop that, right? I wish I could loop that part of my marriage, that part of the wedding, the ceremony. But there's more. You go home and you start doing life. 
And that cloud starts to move away, that honeymoon cloud. And you come in and you're like, uh, honey, did you move my stuff out the closet? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> but like, <laughs> okay. See, the honeymoon cloud's starting to go now, right? And it's like, well, why did you move my stuff out the closet? Because I needed room for my stuff. So where's my stuff, honey? On the bed. But that's where we sleep. Yeah, I know. You have to go out and buy one of those little portable zippy things that you can hang your stuff in. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, see, like before I met you, my stuff hung in the closet just fine right here. And all of a sudden, what does it mean to be in relationship? There's more. Now it's two sinners becoming one. See, it's not just about when I stood in front of Pastor Malone 25 years ago and said, yes, I take Monique. That was knowledge that I had. But what needs to go with that knowledge? Action. Action needs to follow. That means you leave this church and you do life with that woman. All the good, the bad, and the ugly. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus is not interested in disciples who warm seats in churches. If that's as far as your following of Christ goes, you, you got to really examine whether you're really his disciple. It goes beyond this. So he says to them, come, follow me. I got a mission for you to do. You got to catch men. You got to take who I am and proclaim it to a dying world. So they leave their nets immediately, and they follow him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. And there they are, mending their nets, and he called them. He beckoned them. He didn't ask them, hey, will you follow me, John? Will you guys? No. It's like, John, come. Wow. There's work to do. And notice what happens. They immediately left their boat and their father. That's no small thing. Now, in this context, these men left the family business. Now, I'm not advocating you go out of here and tomorrow morning you walk in and say, excuse me, Mr. Boss, I'm a disciple of Christ. I'm going to go follow him. I quit. Don't do that. These are, this is a special circumstance, but the truths still apply to us. How are you following him while you're on that job? How are you following him in your home, in your community? Are you making disciples? Are you proclaiming Christ? Are you fishing for men in your context? This is what Christ is getting at. For these men, it meant leaving their job. For others today, it means leaving secular work and going into full-time ministry. But you don't have to go into full-time ministry to make disciples, to fish for people. Are you kidding me? Where are you in your context? There are fish all around you. Do you understand it is a mandate from Christ to go catch them? How are you going to catch a fish without a net? 
Well, you could think Africa and say spare, right? I don't know what that had to do with anything. It just, I got Africa on my mind. How are you going to catch a fish? You got to do something. You got to do something. Now listen, please, please, don't. I think that clock's fast. Don't, 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 don't misinterpret what I'm about to say. Sometimes I hear people say this. <clears throat> I'm just going to live my life. My life is a reflection of the gospel. Yes. Yes, it is. So let your light shine before men. Absolutely. But please, the gospel is a message that you need to tell people. Don't hide behind, I'm just going to live my life. I ain't going to never say, I ain't got to say a word. They'll see Christ in me. No, 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 you're missing it. The gospel is a message. At some point, you need to open your mouth and say, do you know why I live my life differently? It's because of Christ. Can I tell you who Christ is? The gospel is good news. Yes, it affects your life. Yes, it affects the way you live. But it's not just about living and having people look at your life and try to figure out the gospel. So many Christians hide behind that. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you actually gave the good news to somebody? Not just live my life and let them see it. No, 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 no. This is a message that the disciples are going to declare. You can't catch fish unless you interact with them. You got to talk to them. And at some point, by God's grace, timing, wisdom, all of that, you got to give them the gospel. So he went. He calls these men. They drop everything. They follow. 23, and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming what? The gospel. Why didn't he just feed people and leave it at that? Why didn't he just let his light shine and just his good deeds? No, he proclaimed a message. And what was the message? Of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics. And he healed them all. Guys, don't miss this. Why did Jesus heal all these people? Yes, it was because he was a man of compassion. Absolutely. Yes, it was because it authenticated who he was. Absolutely. That's in here too. But in the context of the whole chapter, it's because it's an illustration of what the gospel does spiritually. It sets you free no matter what that spiritual illness is, the gospel will save you. Don't miss that. This is not a promise that if I know Christ, I will get physical healing. Yes, God can heal physically. But if you follow the ministry of Jesus when he heals, oftentimes you will see him say things like this. What's easier, to say your sins be forgiven or to heal you physically? What's easier? Obviously, the easiest thing to do is to heal the person physically because you can see, wow, he walks. But then what does Jesus say in that context? That you might know the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins, that which you can't see 
I can give spiritual life. Let me prove it. Now get up and walk. He ties the physical healing to what he ultimately came to do, which is spiritual healing. Don't miss that. Man's greatest need is to have his heart saved. That's the sickness that we all have. We need a savior for our souls. And the great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. In other words, the word spread. This man, Jesus, not only is he healing, yes, that initially caused the people to come. Absolutely. Same reason people might come to UPC, right? Why? Oh, I mean, we love the music. Oh, we love the coffee, right? And attractional stuff, right? But no, it's not about that. <laughs> it's about Christ. It's about Christ. Many came and they loved Jesus for what Jesus had to offer physically, but they missed what he was offering spiritually, what's far more important. What good is a crippled man that can walk and then spend eternity in hell? Guys, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Yeah, I know him. No, I didn't ask you that. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? What are you doing in your life to reach people in your context? What barriers are you allowing to hinder you from proclaiming Christ? That's why Christ came. And that is the fundamental message that we ought to be proclaiming to a dying world. Yes, give them a cup of cold water. Yes, feed them at the soup kitchen. Yes, give them a blanket. Yes, do those things. Do those things. But to do that without proclaiming the good news, we are failing as believers. Amen? God, I pray for all of us. God, we truly want to be your disciple. But to do that, we have to do what you said your disciples do. We follow you, which means we're obedient to you. Not only in proclaiming the gospel, but in the way we live our own personal lives, in our marriages, as parents, as workers and co-workers and employees and employers, as community people. God, to follow you means to obey you. God, so I pray for all of us. Encourage our hearts with your word. God, that you take it upon yourself to conform us to the image of your son. And we praise you for that. But we got to move towards you. We got to spend time in your word. God, we got to spend time in our in prayer, God. We, we got to spend time in cultivating our relationship with you. If we claim that we know you, God, help us to truly follow you so that your work will continue and saving souls and using us, God, to be fishers of men. God, this is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.